Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And excited. I've got a fellow Canadian on the show today. We're heading out to the West Coast to BC. And my guest today is Guy McPherson from Grant Advance. And a lot of you have maybe not heard of this company. So I'm excited to welcome Guy to the show. So Guy, I'm so happy and delighted that you've joined me today. Oh, um, it's great to be here, Deb. I've been looking forward to it. You know, I... I'm excited to chat about what you do and the impact of the unprecedented times that we've had. So I'm going to jump right into my leadership questions if you're ready. Now, COVID, our beloved COVID, global pandemic has really proposed a lot of challenges and impact for a lot of businesses and a lot of nonprofits. And I am I'm a hospice volunteer. It's something near and dear to my heart. And I I obviously have not been able to to volunteer because of COVID and just the constraints around nonprofits. So I would love for you to share with us the the impact that that has had for Grant Advance, kind of a two-part question. And I'd love for you to to open up the question for us, if you will, and, and tell us what you do, Guy, because I want everyone to know about your company and and who you serve. Yeah, um, absolutely. And thank you for that. There absolutely has been an impact um, on our organization. We're relatively young. Uh, We're incorporated in 2014. Well, we achieved one of our goals. And I I think that within the nonprofit community, we're a bit of a household name now. And so we do work with um, hundreds, thousands of uh, nonprofits, charities across Canada. Um, Essentially, what we try to do is assist them in securing additional funding, mostly grants from foundations. Um, We do that in a number of ways, and this isn't an ad for our company, so I won't go into all of that. But we do have the delightful experience every day of talking to these incredibly selfless, um, overworked, underpaid (laughs) people that work in the nonprofit sector and do it because of their passion. And so we try, we seriously have tried um, to uh, become a part of that. Not everybody we speak with becomes a client of ours, of course. Um, But we have, especially during um, COVID the last year and a half and more, um, sort of extended what we've always done. And that is to, with all sincerity, attempt to provide um, resources and research at no cost to them. Of course, we do have a business and we do have memberships and people join, uh, which in some to some degree is the end game. But mostly it's about um, helping and in the process, letting people know who we are. Um, so in, um, COVID has impacted us. I think it's been mostly it hasn't been about what we offer or what charities need. Um, it has to do, I believe, mostly with fear. 
Um, there has been uh, so much fear, not just in the nonprofit sector, but, you know, first wave, second wave, third wave, um, uncertainty of whether they'll keep their doors open, uncertainty about whether they have childcare for their, you know, for their own families, um, their health concerns. Uh, there's been a lot of anxiety and fear, which has caused people to um, have a bigger challenge in terms of decision making because there's so much uncertainty. So um, that is what has impacted us. But nevertheless, we not only got through, we've actually increased um, our staffing. We were able to keep everybody on uh, board and we were able to add new people um, as they were needed. So I'm not sure if that's answering your question directly or not. Then I would say the exciting thing for us is, and, and, I, and this is a hats off to the organizations that do the funding, the foundations, um, historically, they have always um, stepped up to the plate and they've increased their giving during times of financial uncertainty. Um, and they've done it again. Um, and Canadian foundations, it's a huge industry and they are like, I mean, oh my gosh, uh, if you took all of uh, that funding and all of these charities out of our, um, out of our culture, out of our uh, social matrix, people would be suffering like crazy. So yes, charities have suffered. Some unfortunately have had to close. Uh, we're hoping that they will be able to open again. Um, but typically uh, during times like this, the fear factor has been an impact on us because of decision-making, but charities typically are looking for other sources and streams of revenue during um, times like this or in 2008 with the credit crunch and all of that. And foundations um, step up and uh, typically this is not something that impacts our industry. Well, and it, I'm lovely that we connected uh, through my producer of the show. And, you know, it's an old cliche, but I have to use it. We don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know there was another resource out there for nonprofits. So I will be making a few introductions <laughs> and connections for sure, Guy. Yeah. Now, my second question, I know that you pride yourself on core values, and I really love the website. And my first impression when I was perusing the website was I went to your team page, and it just gave me a feeling of a healthy, vital culture. There was innovation and, and creativity right down to the dog. Who, yeah. who who's around for naps and scraps, which I really love seeing. Where does that creativity and, and how have you instilled the fun to really resonate and be a healthy and vital culture that speaks to your core values at Grant Advance? Yeah, um, great, great question. I hope I can answer it. I mean, there's so many places for me to go there, but, but it is core values. Um, it is our original mission statement. Um, we, um, we determined from the beginning, and one of the reasons for even starting a company, we identified immediately that there were three main shareholders. Um, there was the company, which had to succeed if they were going to invest in support and um, innovation and um, ongoing development, which our clients would need. And then there were the clients themselves, um, and they had to have equal value in our mind. And then there were the employees. And not one of those groups um, were more important or less important than the other. And we felt that if we if we stuck true to that, um, if we actually, you know, um, produced and and continue to develop a good product, if we um, supported and valued our clients and if we were committed to something, you know, even beyond a living wage I mean, nobody's going to be buying a private jet here. 
but um, nobody's nobody's going to be in poverty either. Um, and if we um, held to those core values and we continued to treat everybody as we would want to be treated, uh, we didn't think we'd have to advertise or anything. And that has proven true. So that was part of, I think, what drove um, the success, but also the heart of Grant Advance. Um, we're, we're a young company and obviously we're not completely successful in every area. Um, you know, it's always a struggle of balancing resources, whether you put more in development or whether you put more into staffing or more into support or um, whatever it might be. Um, and, it, and it's also challenging. I will admit this as a, a rather driven type A personality <laughs> to let tasks uh, get ahead of people. You know, I have a little code word with one of my um, colleagues and uh they just have, she just has to say it, and I am reminded that I'm the cheerleader, not the um, tyrant, right? So uh, just keep keep coming back to there's nothing that will be more important than having a creative and fulfilling and success uh, um, environment that's set up for success, uh, and trying to provide those resources so everybody can feel successful in what they do. And if they're not, then I'm trying to move them something to something they can be successful in. Well, I love the strategy of the word. And sometimes we just need that that gentle reminder or nudge to trigger us to go, okay, right. I, I said this. I want this. It's part of my core values in leadership and being heart-centered. Great strategy. I don't think I've had a leader on the show who has used that. So <laughs> you're going to get the first, you're going to get the first, uh, Kudos for that one. It's a great strategy. Well, I'll tell you, Deb, the only reason I'm on here is because it's the imperfect <laughs> heart-centered leadership, <laughs> because I feel that every day. Well, and you know what? It, it leads nicely into my next question. It's the question that will always have permanent residency on the show. What imperfections does Guy bring to his heart-centered leadership? Well, I think I already mentioned that. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's part of an entrepreneurial spirit. I've started um, many things, several of them successful, and some of them didn't go anywhere. But I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, I'm always starting something. Uh, I am driven. I am type A. And as I said earlier, uh, task can very, very easily become the most important thing to me. And people I can sweep out of the way, I, I don't but I could, it's my tendency. And I'm also uh, by nature, um, what I would call confrontational. I don't think it's confrontational. I think it's like, oh, we've got a problem. Let's bring it to the front. Let's address it. Let's get it out in the open. And I have this wonderful meeting where everything is laid out and everybody's nodding and happy and smiling. And um, I go away thinking that we've solved it all, but all of these analytical type people or the burden bearers, the ones that have, a, you know, feel things deeply, they all they did was clam up and shut up. They walked away feeling just like horrible. And I'm completely ignorant of it because I would default to confrontation as my first tool. And I've had to learn um, that that isn't necessarily effective. Well, it's definitely not effective for at least a quarter of the population. It's devastating. So it's uh, becoming aware of these things and learning different tools and skills of communication and realizing there are different types of people that, um, and I think that comes back to play. 
and you can make a lot of mistakes. I mean, I think of with my children, um, as long as they knew that they were unconditionally loved, you could make a lot of mistakes. And, and it's the same thing, I think, in a company. If a company feels that your ultimate purpose and goal, if they believe that you really have their best interest at stake, even when sometimes you, you make mistakes, they are, they're able to see the bigger picture and come back and around. I have a heart-centered leadership qualities poster that I share with a lot of my executives and their organizations. That ability to fail forward and stand in your greatness as a leader and reflect on, okay, this is where we landed, but hey, every different personality sitting at the table here, what did you learn? What did you learn? And getting getting all those views and different vantage points, because like you said, you can leave a meeting and I love how candid you were about that. You can leave a meeting thinking that you deflated the elephant in the room when in fact you do have employees sitting at the table that are timid or shy or apprehensive to share. So such a great point. Now, my my last question around leadership A lot of executives have been on the show and we've been chatting about, you know, it's been labeled remote readiness, productivity at home. I mean, we've had lots of labels. How has that impacted your nonprofit or has it at all? Did you and your staff have to pivot or did you have remote working as a model before? (laughs) Um, No, um, we have been, um, the whole pandemic um, incident didn't change anything we did. Um, We have, all of our employees are home-based. Everybody works from home or wherever it is that they work. We have people that travel the world. Um, We had last year, uh, we had people that were working in Thailand, Indonesia, Portugal, Spain, uh, and and just as effective. So we did actually uh, set up an office and we (laughs) and we thought it would be great. We couldn't get anybody to come in. So, um, you know, we ran that for about a year and just realized that it, it didn't improve uh, productivity and it didn't improve happiness. Uh, it's for a certain type of people. We've had people that have not joined our company because we don't have an office. Um, they need and want that social interaction. But at the same time, I want to be careful how I voice this, but we have been able to provide opportunities for people that otherwise would have been unemployable um, simply because getting into an office is just not something that's going to happen for them, whether it be uh, childcare or, or many other things. So it's been wonderful that way. It's, you know, it makes me think of that equal opportunity employer and it falls in that realm because a lot of business businesses in the last 10 to 15 years have offered that remote offering as part of the employment agreement. And like you said, whether it's parenting for single moms or single dads, or maybe someone who might be with a disability, you've given that huge opportunity and basically opened up their vocational bandwidth to... Brilliant. I mean, it's just this unbelievable uh, pool of talent. And the other thing, I'm sorry for interrupting, but the other thing that has been a bit of a challenge, uh, but I think this year we finally uh, got it somewhat down, is 
we're a great team. Uh, we love the culture. And we um, actually, one of the rules of thumb when we're hiring people is uh, in an interview, uh, at the end of the interview, we never hire anybody we wouldn't want to party with. And I, and I don't mean, you know, go out drinking. And I just mean somebody that, you know, we're going to be spending hours every day with them. And so, you know, it part of it is about understanding the culture we're trying to create for ourselves and for our clients, which I think is reflected in the website. But to create the water cooler moment, that's been the challenge. The staff needs to have a sense of camaraderie and esprit de corps and all of that. And we've been able to do it with tools like um, what, like Zoom chat and Teams. And all of a sudden now we're in there, you know, there's, sometimes it's all about uh, skills and tips and tricks, but sometimes it's just convincing. Sometimes it's just going to the water cooler and having fun, right? So it's great. Absolutely. And it's, I think a lot of companies have done it very well because there's, there's certain staff that needs that social connected uh, connectivity that you talked about. I'm going to switch gears here and I'm going to ask you what I call my, my fast fab four. We want to know what's sitting on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. <laughs> All right. First question. Tell us something that we don't know about you. Well, that for the first half of my year, um, my career was in the faith-based industry. So um, I was actually a pastor church planter for well over 20 years. So um, and it, that's a, almost a different life and world now, but it's not something I don't highly value. Well, and you packed up all those beautiful transferable skills and just continued on with your heart-centered leadership. There, we go. there you go. Okay, number two, finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? First word that came to my mind is fun. So, and, and I think that um, if it isn't, um, you're faking it and you won't be able to sustain it. And being imperfect is cool. Hence the name of the podcast. <laughs> Third question, share with us a book you're reading right now or one that you may have just finished. Why did you choose to read it? And what was the title? And if you have the author, we would love to know that too. Yeah, um, actually, um, a really light reading. I just refinished the Orson Scott card um, Ender's Game series. Um, so I just read like five of those books in a row, um, partly because it's a little bit of escapism um, and it gives me it, a sort of that downtime where I don't have to be thinking about anything. But I would say in a, in a broader sense, if it would be um, you know, my reading regiment is probably, I mean, I, I hardly ever read the seven successful or the seven tips for success or a manual or anything. It's always history or literature or biography or novels. And I think it's it's gleaning out of those things and putting them into the subconscious is how it works for me. And then if they're good quality books, and, and Orson Scott Card is great. Um, but I mean, there's other things like I, I would say my favorite author is uh, George MacDonald. It just bubbles up. And out of that uh, are where ideas and dreams come from, but not like specific, you know, how to stuff. I think reading's really personal. I when I was in my 20s, one of my mentors said to me, always read two books. And like you framed it, have one that's lighthearted. You refer to it as escapism. All my leaders call it energy management. Maybe. We all we all coin things different, right? And then read one for business or personal development. And again, 
I think picking up a book is really personal and you've got your favorite authors. We all have our different genres that we like to read. So I always love when someone in leadership is, is reading lighthearted books because we are inundated during the day with so many decisions and delegation moments that it's nice to have that escapism to just read for the joy of reading. Yes. So I, I totally get that. I am reading a wonderful book right now that was gifted to me. And it's by Peter Man- Mandridge. He used okay. to be on CBC. Yeah. And it's all about Canadian heroes. Oh. And it's not a book I would have ever picked up, but a colleague and a friend read it. And she said, you need to read this book. It's totally you. And as I'm going through each of the short stories, I thought, I think I'm going to have to call Peter and get him on the show because I learned he lives in Stratford, Ontario. So he's not that far from me. <laughs> but but again, it's going back to what you and I said earlier in this podcast. We don't know what we don't know until somebody can just eloquently frame it or point it out and say, give this a try or have a read of this. Those are the moments that I always find to be, you know, people call them aha moments. I just like to call it like an intersection of serendipity. Mm-hmm. And, it's kind of, and, nice. and, and it just kind of feels right, you know? So, so there you go. I'm going to have to look up that author and every, every episode I learn something from my guest and it's truly the joy that I get from, from hosting this podcast. Now, my last question is, what is one thing that you would like our listeners to remember about you? I think that uh, what you have just, I'm going to steal one of your phrases that I always try to fail forward. You know, it was your phrase, but I do believe that. And I, because I think that um, success has come, of course, but success has only come on the heels of, of trying and trying always brings failure uh, and fear of failure is what's going to, it's just going to sink the ship. So um, I, I really like that phrase and I'll be using it, but uh, failing forward. And I, and I think if anything, I mean, I think even when I think about our clients and such, I mean, for the most part, I think we have really happy clients, but have we failed? Yes, we have. And Will we um, will we fix that? Will we um, will we you know give up? No, we won't. We'll we'll press forward. That's I mean, it's always about. I think that idea is about a commitment to excellence, right? I mean, if you get afraid and you just stop, then um, no, you're not going to achieve excellence. Uh, it's going to be you know there's going to be some broken eggs. I'm always taken back by the creativity and the innovation of nonprofits. And Mm. I know at our local hospice where I volunteer, they always use the quote, our volunteers don't cost anything, not because they're worthless, but because in our eyes and our hearts, they're priceless. Absolutely, they are. We are just slowly getting back here in my city of London, Ontario, and I'm hoping to return in July. But, you know, when you when you find a place where your soul feels seated, that's hospice for me. It's the podcast for me. It's being a heart centered leader. So it's beautiful to hear your heart centered leadership journey from being a pastor 
but I know that pastor shows up every day running and managing Grant Advance, which is beautiful. So it's been so much fun getting to know you and and having you on the show today. And I'm excited to put you out to 42 countries that don't even know you yet. Uh, And uh, Deb, it was honestly just um, an honor and a surprise to be asked. So um, yeah, happy to share and uh, and feel very privileged to be able to participate in this today. It's, it's been my goal from day one to release the, the locked-in definition of, of leadership, and I believe it belongs to all of us. I think it's coined beautifully in what you said when we, when we release the fear and step into our greatness. You don't need initials after your name. You don't need stature or a title or a long document full of roles and responsibilities. I think if we wake up every day to be joyful and grateful and to really live our purpose with heart-centered leadership, I think we all have the opportunity to do that. Thank you. That's great. So thanks again for sharing your time and your expertise and your heart and continued success with Grant Advance. Thanks so much, Deb. You have a a great day then. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.